breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy is His amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. I sing for all that you've done for me.
Jesus, we just thank you for the power that you've given us, Lord, that we don't have to run and hide. We can stand proud and stand for you, Lord. Give us the power this week just to make a difference in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and with the people that we come in contact with, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh 
Amen. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. Good morning. It is so great to see so many people here in person, and welcome to you watching us online this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, I'm Pastor Rory Gruders, and welcome so much to New Promise Church, where we believe that there are new promises of God in Jesus Christ for our lives. And out of all of the churches in the Kirtland and Chardon area, we are just so glad that you have chosen to join us here in person this morning or at home online. We hope that you really feel the love of God in Jesus Christ through the music, through the message with Pastor Nick in just a minute, but really through the people that are seated next to you this morning. And, and we hope you feel at home, and if there's anything you need, please ask one of our greeters, and they would be happy to help you find whatever you, whatever you need here at New Promise Church. We're just so happy that you're with us this morning. As you came in this morning, you should have received two things um, from our greeters. The first is our monthly bulletin. We don't do a weekly hard copy copy bulletin we do a monthly bulletin thank you guys we do a monthly bulletin where it just tells you what's coming up in the month of march here at new promise church and on the back side is some of our online information contact information things like that and um, if you didn't receive one coming in and you want one going out just uh, please see a greeter or stop by the welcome desk there'll be a small pile of them on there as well that's a great way just to keep up with what's going on here at New Promise Church. And also, you can put it on the refrigerator and you can, it can remind you to pray for us or pray for God's blessings on the pastors, on the staff, on the elders, on all of the people here at New Promise Church because we need God's blessing. We need God's anointing all the time. Amen? Amen. In addition to this, we also do an online bulletin. So if you'd like to get a virtual copy of our bulletin, we can email that to you. Just make sure that the church office knows and that we have your email address, and we'd love to email you an online copy of that as well. Also, when you came in this morning, you should have received a communion cup as you came in. This is the first Sunday of the month, and starting last month, we've decided that we're going to do communion on the first Sunday of every month. We don't want to do it every week because I just have a little bit of a concern. If you do something like this every week, it can become cliche. It can become a ritual of religiosity and just kind of do it mindlessly. But also, if you don't do it frequently enough, I think you can forget to celebrate the significance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our lives because it all begins at the cross of Jesus Christ. And especially now that we're in March, we've got about a month until we celebrate uh, our Lord's death and resurrection. We should always be mindful of that, but especially this time of year, I think we start to, to hone our, our, the vision of our focus, hone our thoughts towards celebrating Easter Sunday and, of course, Good Friday, the day that the Lord took all of our sins away. You know, Easter and Easter weekend, Good Friday, Easter Sunday is, is honestly always the high point of the calendar for me as a person, as a Christian, and as a pastor because it all happened then. Life was transformed on that day. I think that Good Friday was a day that was obviously Jesus' most stressful day because that's the day that he took the sins of the world away. That's the day where he atoned for our sins, which makes it our greatest day. Even before we were even born, even before we even existed, I believe God in his omniscience, while in humanity was hanging on the cross for our sins, I believe it wasn't just the people at the cross that Jesus was mindful of, but I think he was looking across the eschaton of time, and he was seeing you 
and he was saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He was saying, I'm going to atone for your sins. Even before we existed, Jesus knew the day we would be born and the day we would be born again. He knew the day that we would ask him into our lives to be our Savior and Lord. And so while he was hanging on the cross, I believe we were on his mind. I think he was thinking of you when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because he knew there would come a day that we would be born and we would accept him into our lives to be our Savior and Lord. His blood would then atone for our sins and we would be born again by his Holy Spirit. So it's our greatest day. It's Jesus' most stressful day and it's Satan's worst day. The reason I believe it's Satan's worst day is because that's the day that Jesus atoned for our sins. That's the day he took away the sins of the world. That's the day that Satan realized he lost the power of sin over people who become believers in Jesus Christ. He knew on that day that people would go from being prisoners of wickedness to champions and, and, and champion children, child bride champions of the cross of Jesus Christ, if you will. That day, Good Friday, it changed everything for those who are believers in Christ Jesus. And because you're with us this morning, I'm going to believe that most, if not all of you, are believers in Jesus Christ. If, if you're not, it's very incredibly simple to make the change. God's already done all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is say, Father, come into my life and be my Savior and Lord. I repent of my sins, and I ask your Holy Spirit to come within me to be born again. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your blood into my life. Please be my Savior and Lord. If you pray a prayer, a simple prayer like that, I believe that God hears that prayer. He answers that prayer. He forgives your sins, and he comes into your life and becomes your Savior and Lord, and that you are then born again by his Holy Spirit. That's all biblically-based things, and frankly, that's kind of the prayer that I I prayed a number of years ago back in 1984 when I accepted Jesus into my life to be my Savior and Lord. So that's all to say I love Communion Sunday and I love Good Friday and I love Resurrection Easter Sunday. I don't know what you call it. I, I just, I know some people say Resurrection Sunday and some people say Easter Sunday. I just mash them all together and say Easter Resurrection Sunday is the day that we're going to celebrate Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Amen? Because he is. Amen? Amen. But at right now, I'd like you to take your communion uh, cup and take the cellophane across the top. Carefully pull it back and take the wafer out. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Where Paul said, I pass on to you that which I received from Jesus Christ directly. And that is this, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Thursday night before Good Friday, Jesus took the bread... He broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. And again, I think he wasn't just thinking of the apostles. I think he was looking across the eschaton of time in his mind. He was calling you by name, saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat it, you remember my love and my death and my sacrifice for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is, my, this is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood. Drink it. And every time you do, you do this in remembrance of me 
until I come again in glory. And it, it blows my mind away, it truly does, church, that the God of heaven, who not only loves us, but is the embodiment of love itself, from whom all love flows, the God of heaven, whom we sinned against by our human sinful nature, of being born into the sinful nature, imperfect in the face of a perfect God. Our perfect God, he looked across the eschaton of time, and he said, I love you so much. I would rather die for you once in humanity than to live forever without you in all of eternity. That is the amazingness of our God, the God of the Bible. So Lord Jesus, Words cannot begin to express our appreciation and our admiration for you and our love for you because it's not that we loved you, it's that you loved us first. It's not that we chose to follow you, it's that you chose to die for our sins first. You demonstrated the depth of your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you died for us on the cross for our sins. You didn't wait for us to get it right on our own first because you knew that would never happen. We couldn't do it. We're imperfect people. But in your perfect love, you said, I'm going to right the wrong. I'm going to atone for your sins. I'm going to give you eternal life and eternal liberty and my Holy Spirit to live in you and propel you forever from earth to heaven, from here to eternity. Thank you, Lord God Almighty for the amazingness of your love. You have no rival. You have no equal. For there is salvation only in the name and the person and the blood and in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for dying for our sins on the cross. Freely we receive your forgiveness. Freely we receive your love. Freely we receive your blessing. And all we ask, Father, as we examine ourselves in this moment in time is to ask you to help us as freely as we have received. Help us to freely give of your love, of your blessing, of your forgiveness through our lives to the lives of people around us. We pray this and we celebrate you this morning until you come again in glory when your face shall replace our faith. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's eat. And then carefully pull back the other cover on the juice. This is the most sanitary, hygienic way to do communion. I'm still getting used to it. And I'm still just a little bit afraid of it. (laughs) So you don't spill on yourselves this morning. To the blood of the new covenant, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that gives us eternal life, forever on earth and forever in heaven with God. To Jesus, let us drink.
This morning, Pastor Nick, our youth pastor, is going to be bringing the word. So I'm going to ask you to please take your Bibles and turn them to John chapter 11. As Pastor Nick comes to talk to us this morning about our ability to rely on God's timing in our lives. He's always on time. So would you please welcome Pastor Nick Everett as he brings the word this morning. Thank you, Pastor Rory. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, do I have any civil engineers in the house? Anybody? Good, we can talk about them. No. <laughs> um, civil engineers and traffic engineers, uh, for years and years, all over the world, have tried to uh, slow people down as they're driving. They do this in all kinds of different ways. They do it with traffic signs. They do it with sp uh, stop signs, uh, speed limit signs, uh, flashing yellow lights as you're driving through Kirtland. Uh, during school hours that you have to obey, otherwise you will get pulled over and then get pulled over again. Uh, I've been pulled over twice there. Thankfully, I've never gotten a ticket there, but you don't have to show your hands, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people out here have gotten pulled over in Kirtland somewhere or another. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of things around here that are trying to slow us down. Well, there's one particularly interesting measure that was instituted in the Dutch city of Delft. Uh, it's called European Traffic Calming. Uh, it began as a grassroots movement in the late 1960s. Angry residents who were mad that people were flying down their streets uh, while their kids were out playing, were like, they were frustrated with what was going on, and they came up with this really interesting uh, solution. It's called Wunerven. I think I'm pronouncing that right. If anybody has uh, complaints about that, talk to me after service, and I would like to learn how to pronounce it right. But Wolverine. Uh, or living yards, they, they became this, this thing where they would take picnic benches, sandboxes, playgrounds, and like put them in the streets so that as you're driving, you have to be paying close attention to like what's going on. So these cars would be getting slowed down to like five or 10 miles an hour because they were terrified about hitting a resident as they're driving. Uh, I think that as we drive today, I, I'm much happier with the blinking yellow lights, uh, but sometimes those don't quite do the trick. Uh, so so these, these residents enacted this Wolverine, uh, and, and it kind of, and it stuck. And over the next decade, the idea spread to many other countries. Laws and regulations were changed to permit these designs in Germany, Sweden, Denmark, England, France, Japan, Israel, Australia, uh, and Switzerland. By 1990, there were almost 3,500 shared streets in the Netherlands and Germany, 300 in Japan, and 600 in Israel. The twists and turns plus brick pavement and periodic raised areas brought motorists down to walking speeds, uh, close to like eight to nine miles an hour on average. I can only imagine uh, today here in the United States, uh, especially Ohio, uh, looking around how this would 
this would interact with our brain if we're going down the street and all of a sudden there's a sofa in the middle and there's just there's a family sitting on it just hanging out it's just part of their living space and we're like okay well we got to go around this uh, luckily the only thing we really have to worry about in Ohio is deer jumping across in front of us and as long as we're going less than like 60 we can usually usually slow down for them <laughs> uh, but I can only imagine that that our reaction would be a little bit more incredulous as far as like oh I have to slow down to eight or nine miles an hour to get where I need to go. I have my path from home to here mapped out. I can get here in about 18 minutes. Uh, if, if I had to drive around uh, different people's living areas and spaces in order to get here, it would take me a lot longer than 18 minutes. 22 minutes if it's like five or six o'clock and there's a lot of traffic out or I hit the wrong lights, but about that amount of time. We've got everything timed out in our lives. We know how long it's supposed to take us to get from point A to point B. Do you ever feel like in your life that God is putting all kinds of different obstacles in your way in order to slow you down? Think about it. There's different illnesses in our life, financial distress, broken relationships. You can name it, COVID-19. They can slow us down or even stop us in our tracks. Trials can be, you, be God's roadblocks to slow us down causing us to focus on what really matters in life and ultimately save us from calamity. In the end, God knows better than any civil engineer where you need to be and when you need to be there. I've been thinking a lot lately about God's timing, and that's what our message today is going to be on. Uh, and sometimes it feels like I know where I want to go, how I want to get there, and at what speed I want to get there. And sometimes I feel like God puts things in my way to slow me down, to make me, to open my eyes and make me realize there are other things that I need to do along the way in order to get to my final destination. Pastor Rory had you uh, turn to chapter, John chapter 11. Uh, the verses will also be up on the screen if you want to follow along. We're going to start in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. We, uh, we went over this, that story of, of her wiping his feet in youth group uh, a couple weeks ago. And the kids were like, ew, no, she did not wipe his feet with her hair. They were horrified. Uh, but it was a different culture, different time. Uh, verse 3 says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus had a close relationship with this family. He knew Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, uh, and it was natural for them to expect that if they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, that Jesus would come and heal him. They had seen it happen time and time again, where people would be brought to Jesus, and he would heal them. This was a pretty natural occurrence to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So when they reached out and said, Lazarus is sick, they were expecting that Jesus would come and heal him. Continuing in verse 4, it says, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And the disciples, and he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea after two days. 
I think this is, the, this is the first red flag for us that God's timing is not the same as our timing. I think as soon as we heard that our friend is sick, the, the response is, all right, let's get up and let's go. That's what would have been expected. That's, we're sending word to Jesus so that he can do something right now about it. But what does he do? He stays for two more days. Now, when you're sick and dying, two days can be an eternity. Two days can mean all the difference. Continuing verse 8, it says, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going to go back. So the disciples didn't even want him to go back, even after two days. They were saying, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to go back right now. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus' disciples were shocked that he would return to the region of Judea when he was a wanted man there. Jesus responded by saying that he still had work to do. There were still things that he needed to get done. The 12 hours were a figurative way to speak of the time allotted by God the Father of his earthly work, the earthly work of Jesus. Verse 11 says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had, of course, been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant a natural sleep. I think of my little kids. I have, I have a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. If I was talking to them about death, this might be something that, I, that I, I said, I would say, is that, oh, the doggy just went to sleep. I wouldn't want to break it to them that they were dead. I love it when Jesus talks to the disciples as though they are little children. Uh, and he has to, like, bring them along. So he then has to say plainly to them, because they didn't understand when he said, he's asleep, he says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said the rest, to the rest of the disciples, let us, all, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now this is a pretty bold statement from Thomas, especially someone who later we would dub as Doubting Thomas, to say, hey, okay, if Jesus is going, there's a good chance he might die, Let's go die with him. Uh, he, he's, he's amped up to go, as are the other disciples. Because that's, that's what they think is going to happen if they go back, is that Jesus might die, and they will probably die along with him. And Lazarus. Verse 17 says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is another important part of Jesus' timing. In waiting two days before leaving, he ensured that when he got there, Lazarus would have been dead for four days. Now you might say, why is that important? Why is four days important? There was a commonly held Jewish uh, superstition or tradition that the soul would stay around the gravesite or the body of the deceased for three days. But it was commonly accepted that after three days, there was no chance of that, that soul reconnecting with the body. So four days is important in this timing so that they know that he is dead and the hope of him coming back is gone. 
Now Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha honestly states her disappointment with Jesus' late arrival. She believed that Jesus was able to heal her brother. That's why she sent word while he was still sick and alive. It's possible that she didn't even consider now that Jesus would raise him from the dead. She just said, okay, it's been four days, it's dead. If you would have been here, Lord, you could have saved him. You could have done something then. Continuing in verse 22, it says, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So she's telling Jesus, I, I haven't lost faith, but I just, I really wish you'd have been here. I really wish you would have been. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Clearly, she's been listening to, to his messages, and she knows about the resurrection of the last day. So that's what she thinks he's talking about here when he says, your brother will rise again. Sometimes in our own lives, when we're talking to people who are struck by grief, who are mourning a loss, we tell them in a comforting way, you will see them again. You'll be reconnected. They were a believer. They knew Jesus. They will be in heaven, and we will see them again. And that's something extremely comforting. But that's not what Jesus was saying here. He was telling Martha that you will see your brother again real soon. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Die. Do you believe this? Jesus, is cha Jesus challenges Martha here. He challenges her to belief. He asks her straight up, do you believe? She must believe Jesus was who he said he was and that he could do what he said he could do. She, she responds with, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the city, the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed that she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, there's lots of times uh, in Scripture when we see somebody say something, and I know myself, I, I really wish I could hear the inflection of their voice and their facial expressions. How many of you have ever sent a text message and, and, and like, you meant one thing and somebody heard your voice say something else when you sent it? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my mom, she raised her hand. Everybody see that? Uh, <laughs> No, <laughs> but yeah, it, it happens, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm really curious if, if this was a bold statement of faith, just saying, Lord, if you'd been here, I believe in you, and I know that you could have healed him. Too bad you weren't here. Or on the other hand, she might have been criticizing his timing by saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died, almost in an accusation. Works either way, but I'm really curious, and I'm going to ask her. I don't know the 
the exact way she was saying it uh, or the inflection, but it, it, I, I really wish sometimes that we could hear the inflection of what people are saying. Uh, continuing in verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. The grief and tears of Mary and Martha moved Jesus. God sees the tears of the grief-stricken and is moved to compassion. God sees our tears. He's touched by our tears. He remembers our tears and our grieving. And God acts in a way to dry our tears from our eyes. Continuing, Then the, G the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened up the eyes of the, not he who had opened up the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and there was a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. This is one case where I really love the, the, the King James translation uh, because it says, Lord, by this time he stinketh. And I, and I think that gives us a much like, more visual uh, of what's going on. But after four days, a body starts to smell pretty bad, especially one that you've sealed up in an air, a small area. People probably thought that Jesus was asking for them to move the stone so that he could see his friend one more time. Jesus wasn't there when Lazarus passed, so he wasn't able to say his final goodbyes. So they're probably thinking that he wants the, the, the stone removed so he can go in and he can mourn over his lost friend. And he doesn't care that he stinketh. It continues on, Then Jesus said, Do not tell, did I not tell you, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Jesus was fully capable of doing this miracle without their belief. But because that they believed that Jesus could do this miracle, they were alongside of him in this glory. They got to experience God's glory. That's what God wants for each and every one of our lives. He wants us to experience his glory. We see that Jesus dealt with Martha according to different steps intentionally trying to stretch and build her faith. First, he gives her a promise. He tells her, your brother will rise again. Then he draws attention to himself, saying that I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus called upon her then to confess her faith. Do you believe? Then Jesus called her to act. Roll away the stone. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you, are always, you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. can't imagine what everybody standing there was thinking, the people that just rolled the stone away. When Jesus was standing there looking at the, the tomb, yelling, Lazarus, come out. Were they expecting Lazarus to come out? Were they thinking that this was just someone who was stricken by grief, mourning out loud, wanting him to come back? 
What were they thinking? And then the impossible happens. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take them off. Jesus did the impossible, the thing that only God can do. He raised a man from the dead. And when he came out, Jesus could have supernaturally removed the linen cloth from this man. He could have came out glowing, bright, like new, but he came out in the grave clothes. He was still wrapped up. And he let the people that were there experience something amazing. They got to unwrap this dead man who they had put in that tomb four days earlier. And they got to see his expression on his face as they unwrapped his head. They got to see him for the first time after they had seen him sick, lying, dying in bed. They got to experience God's glory. God wants us to experience his glory. So what do we learn from this? We learn that waiting, we have to wait with patience. We spend a lot of times in our lives waiting because change is a process. And I know a lot of us don't like change. And waiting is part of it. A lot of us don't like waiting either. Waiting is one of the hardest things to do. Many people want change, but they don't want to have to go through the waiting process. But the truth is, waiting is a given. We're going to have to wait. The question is, are we going to wait the right way or the wrong way? Are we going to be miserable as we are waiting? Are we going to cry out to God in misery because we have to go through these hard trials? Or are we going to lean in and press in to God during this time? Let him be our strength. It takes practice, but as we let God help us in each situation, we develop patience, which is one of the most important Christian virtues. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We see that in Galatians 5, 22. It's developed under trial. So we must not run away from our difficult situations. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James 1, 4. As we develop patience, the Bible says we finally feel completely satisfied, lacking in nothing. Even our relationship with God progressive change. I do not have the same relationship that I have with God that I had 20 years ago. God has matured me over time. God has walked with me each step of the way. And it's been painful. It's been painful sometimes, that growing process, that waiting process, that waiting for change. It's hard. But God is there with us. He wants to share in this experience with us. We learn to trust God by going through many experiences that require trust. By seeing God's faithfulness over and over again, we let go of trusting ourselves and gradually we, we place trust in him. Looking at it like this, it's easy to see how timing plays an important part in learning to trust God. If he did everything we asked immediately, then we wouldn't ever have to trust on his timing. Timing and trust work side by side. The second thing we need to think about is we need to accept God's timing. God's timing is not always going to be our timing. 
I'm pretty sure that Mary and Martha wished that in that, in that moment, they wished that Jesus' timing was different. They wished that he would have gotten up and came immediately and healed Lazarus. They wished that his timing was different. And we see that throughout Scripture, and we see that in our own lives. When we look at something and we're too close to it to really realize the whole picture of what's going on. I think of the story of, of Joseph. And Joseph has this amazing dream that all of his brothers are going to kneel down to him. And then what happens? He gets sold into slavery. He had to have been thinking, God, what is up with this timing? You just gave me this dream. I thought this was going to happen pretty soon. Now I'm, now I'm in slavery. And then a little bit of time goes by and he ends up in prison. And this entire time, God is grooming him for the precise moment in time, the precise moment in time when he has created something for Joseph to step into and, and ended up saving hundreds, if not thousands, of people's lives through the famine in Egypt. And he raises him up to stature, even though he had to go through years imprisoned not under fully understanding what God was doing. He just knew that he had a dream that God was going to bring to fruition, but he had no idea how it was going to happen. I think a lot of us today have a dream. Have a dream of what God is going to do in our lives. And we want to get there as fast as we can, and we don't want to slow down for anything. But sometimes God says, no, wait. We'll get there. We'll get there. But we need to... We need to grow a little bit along the way. You need to learn this first. Third, we need to learn to rely on God. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 20.24 says, A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? When God directs our path, he sometimes leads us in ways that, we, that don't make sense and that we're not always going to understand. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all the ways you know, recognize and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight the, the, and plain your paths. This sounds so simple, yet many people make the mistake of trying to figure everything out on their own. Or they end up waiting when they don't need to. They say, I'm waiting on you to move, Lord. But they don't ask God what they can be doing in the meantime. They're saying, I'm waiting, Lord. I'm waiting for COVID-19 to be over. Once that's over with, man, we're, we're going to go. We're going to move. When really we need to be asking God, okay, what, what do we need to be learning during this time? So that five years from now, we can look back at this period of time in which we've had to slow down. We can't go 100 miles an hour right now like we want to, like we desire to. What is God showing us through this time of growth? So that in, in years from now, we can look back and be like, ah, that's what God was doing. We're experiencing huge things right now because of the patience he instilled in us in that process, in that time. The psalmist in uh, Psalms 31 says, 
But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my, the hands of my enemies for those who pursue me. 1 Peter 5.5 5 tells us, God sets himself against the proud, but gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Anyone who thinks that they're a self-made man or woman has a rude awakening coming. Because Jesus says in John 15.5, apart from me, you can do nothing. It doesn't say, apart from me, you can do okay things. Apart from me, your work will be all right. You'll get things done. It might not be the best. No, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Humility is a covering that draws the help of God into our lives to protect us. When we humble ourselves by saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm trusting you. I'm putting it in your hands. The sooner we understand and accept that, the sooner God can work his plan in our lives today. The last thing I want to talk about today, I want to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It's probably a verse a lot of you know well. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time to plant. There is a time to harvest. Today, you might be in a time right now of planting. And planting is a hard time. There's a lot of work required. There's a lot of growth that you don't see up front. There's watering. There's tending to these plants. Some of you might be in a time of harvest. That's awesome. Enjoy it. You've planted the seeds and you've gotten to the point right now in your faith where, where you're seeing some stuff come to fruition. That's great. Enjoy it. Those of us who are still at the planting phase, don't look at those who are in the harvesting phase saying, oh man, I wish I was there right now. Enjoy the fact that we're in the planting phase. Enjoy the fact that we're seeing things grow. That we get to walk with God. That we're here at the beginning so that at the end we can share in God's glory. Amen? God causes things to happen at exactly the right time. Our job is not to figure out when that time is. Our job is to stay the course. To stay the course until the end. We won't give up until we cross that finish line. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that all timing is in your hands. Lord, we thank you that your timing is perfect. Lord, we ask for wisdom when we want to go a thousand miles per hour. Lord, when you slow us down, Lord, let us be drawn to you. Let us lean into you. When we don't understand what's going on, give us the faith to trust you. Lord, we give you the honor and glory today. Lord, we thank you that you have conquered death. Death has no hold over our lives. Lord, you are the Lord that raised Lazarus, Lazarus out of the grave. Lord, death could not hold you. Lord, let us live today in your glory and let us be in your presence. Holy Spirit, move among us. Show us, guide our feet. Lord, we praise you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, everybody. Now let's check out what is coming up here at New Promise Church. Today we celebrate the conclusion of another successful season of Upward Basketball. Each weekend for eight weeks, over 400 parents, grandparents, teens, and kids pass through our doors for fellowship, fun, prayer, and to play some basketball. None of this would be possible without the hard work of our dedicated volunteers, like our concession stand workers, who stocked and sold some tasty treats, our greeters and security people, who check the temperatures of everyone as they enter the building and help keep the place clean and safe on weekends and throughout the week during practices. Also, our volunteer coaches, referees, and scorekeepers, and of course, Upward would not happen or run as smoothly over the last 12 years without the tireless work of Ron and Pam Trebeck, our Upward directors. So would you please join me in giving Ron and Pam, along with all of our Upward volunteers, a big round of applause for another successful season of Upward Basketball! Please remember to pray for and give an offering towards the Ayers family in Haiti. Matt and Stacy moved to Haiti in 2007 and are helping at MS University. Matt serves as president, teaches Old Testament, and preaches and teaches in many places around the world. Stacy teaches English and helps with finances. Mark your calendars for Journey to Easter on Saturday, April 3rd here at New Promise Church. This is an event for children to walk through the streets of Jerusalem and experience events from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. Pre-packaged candy donations are being accepted at the welcome desk. For those who have volunteered or are interested in volunteering to help with Journey to Easter, there will be a meeting on Thursday, March 25th at 6.30 p.m. in the hospitality room. Next Sunday, Pastor Rory begins a four-part series called I Can Only Imagine, using short video clips from the smash hit movie. Week one will be Imagine the Unconditional Love of Our Heavenly Father. Week two, imagine the power of forgiveness and being forgiven. Week three, imagine redemption, the ability to find value in what had been lost. Week four, imagine heaven as our home. You won't want to miss any installment of this inspiring series as we head towards our Resurrection Sunday celebration of Jesus Christ. Next Sunday is our worship night here at NPC at 6 p.m. We hope to see you there. The meeting after second service with Scott Bainline in the hospitality we would love for you to be part of this ministry. Thank you for being here today at New Promise Church. Have a great and blessed week. This is my uh, first year experiencing Upward Basketball, and I think that is a, it was a tremendous success, especially in a, in a COVID year and everything. And I also think that it's a tremendous outreach of this church, providing kids an opportunity not just to play organized sports and basketball and the parents to cheer them on to not just victory, but to have fun. But also, um, if you haven't experienced it, you need to come watch it next year because there's prayer time, there is devotion, there is inspiring video, Christian video testimonies from professional athletes and things. It is just a, a great package all the way around. One of our pillars of New Promise Church here is serving, not just in church, but also in the community. Upward basketball is just one of those ways that we serve the community. Another way that we serve the community is through our outreach journey to Easter, our kids event that's going to happen on Saturday, April 3rd, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And we have the 15 volunteers that we asked for up to this point, but we had a meeting last week and we realized we, we started dreaming big. And we, we realized that if we can get just a few more people, like another maybe 10, 12 people, then we can do this whole thing live action. We can put people in period 
period costumes. We can transform the chapel and the back part of the lobby into Jerusalem as, as we would love to have hundreds of children and their parents come through on, e on that Saturday between Good Friday and Easter to experience, walk through the journey to Easter, the journey in Jerusalem of Jesus Christ. Vince is going to be back and he'll be playing Jesus again. Some people are going to have lines. Most people won't. We just need people milling around and transforming this place into Jerusalem. So if you're, if you're willing to help out, we, man, we sure do need your help in this. So if you could, please see Amy Tadio or Don Petrowski, our children's ministries director, or call the church office, email us, just let us know. You, we can count on you. And you might say, well, pastor, I don't want any lines. That's okay. We won't give you lines. We just need you dressed up and milling around and acting like Jewish people in Jerusalem, and we can help you teach that. We can help you learn that, all right? So uh, please help us out, because it would be awesome. Wouldn't it be great? Do Good Friday, we'll, we'll have a special service. We'll celebrate the Lord's death. Easter uh, Sunday, we'll celebrate his resurrection. And then that Saturday, we'll present the gospel live in, in ways that children can understand as they walk through Jerusalem, they walk through different 12 stations um, of Easter and everything, and they experience the story of Easter in ways that they can understand. That would be so awesome. So that's another way that we want to try and serve our Kirtland and Chardon communities. Another way that we do that is the last announcement that you saw. We're having uh, the third and I think our final uh, meeting for our Feed His Children food pantry with Scott Bayline. He's one of our elders who's heading up that ministry. Immediately after this service, right across the lobby there in the hospitality room, if you uh, are, would like to find out more about uh, how this ministry, how you can be a part of it, um, it's, it's going to be incredibly doable, very well scheduled. It's not going to chew up an entire Saturday, just a few hours uh, of a Saturday once a month on, on um, I think it's, I said on a Saturday, right? So once a month on a Saturday for just about two or three hours, we could sure use your help helping to feed this community, the people that are having a hard time making ends meet, things like that. We just want to reach out. We want to not only serve God in our church, but we want to serve God by serving him in our community and, and spreading the love of Jesus Christ in as many ways that we can here at New Promise Church. Pastor Nick, thank you very much for that message about God's timing. God is always on time. You know, sometimes we're like Mary Martha. We think, man, he's just too late. We needed him to show up last week. But again, Jesus shows us that he's always right on time. So if you're at a place in your life where you're waiting for God to show up and God to do something, be patient. God's going to show up right on time. He's going to take care of you. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He's not going to leave you hanging. Pastor Nick, thank you so much for that message. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, Father, we do thank you so much for the ways that you take care of our lives from here all the way to eternity. And, and Father, it is our privilege to turn our hearts towards home and our eyes towards your word, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to interact with you through the Bible, and to let your Holy Spirit interact in our lives. And now, Father, we just pray that you continue to please bless us and keep us. Continue to make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Help us to keep in step with your Holy Spirit by living out your word, this word that we heard this morning about trusting you with the timing in our lives. And Father, as we have freely received, now help us to freely give of your love, your blessing, and your forgiveness in the lives of people around us this week. And we pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. And everybody said...
Amen. Thank you for coming out and joining us in person. Thank you for joining us online too. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night for our small groups. God bless.